we design products for a very demanding customer being uh, musicians and top artists around the world who have very low tolerance for bad experiences. And the only way we're gonna be able to accommodate them is to have different perspectives. So we say like-hearted, different-minded. That was Marcus Cobb, co-founder and CEO of Jamber. Marcus sat down with us at 3686 Entrepreneurship Festival to break down how he's built a team that's rocketed Jamber to the cutting edge of the music industry. I'm your host, Clark Buckner, and you're listening to Disrupt the Continuum, a Launch Tennessee podcast powered by Pinnacle Financial Partners, dedicated to entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem builders. In this episode, Marcus gives us a glimpse into Jamber's origin story, and he explains how some of his most important lessons he's learned have come from surviving the mistakes he's made along the way. He also shares the philosophy behind Jamber's award-winning workplace and highlights why diverse hiring has been a key to his success. We're just people. Everyone's just people. And it's really easy to let our insecurities or our biases or our comfort zones come into the hiring process, whether intentionally or unintentionally. We're all kind of hardwired to gravitate towards the people we know. Um, But for a company, that is a strategic disadvantage. This season's sponsor, Pinnacle Financial Partners, prides itself on being more than just another bank. They offer their clients long-term partnerships for growing their businesses. Learn more at pnfp.com. And for more stories like this, be sure to visit launchtn.org slash podcast. Now let's jump in. Hello, my name is Marcus Cobb, CEO, co-founder of Jamber. And uh, here speaking with you in 3686, happy to be a speaker this year on one of the panels and that's it. Wonderful. We are actually set up, we're at Acme, one of the the downtown venue locations for 3686 Entrepreneurship Festival. We're in the podcast lounge and special thanks to Pinnacle Financial Partners. They showed up big time this year and they're supporting the podcast. So that's making it even easier for us to hear these stories from entrepreneurs, from founders on the front lines. So you have an especially interesting story as it relates to 3686. I love to just jump in right there. Rewind it back. Tell me, just frame this up. So there I was, right? Um, it's 2016. <laughs> it, was tw- it was 2016. I didn't know anything about 3686, and I was pretty impressed by just the size of the production at, at the Schirmerhorn. If I'm saying it right, the Schirmerhorn? Yeah, Schirmerhorn. Yeah. Uh, it's like the word entrepreneur, but I was, I was uh, there, and we were pitching on stage at Jamber at this time, and it was, it was a really cool experience. We didn't actually win that year, which was a beautiful lesson for me. Uh, because the company that did win, I think I think they were called Wiseant. It was so beautiful because she was back there super nervous and she killed it, knocked it out of the park, the CEO of Wiseant. And that was very indicative for me of just the entire entrepreneurial spirit down here, right? Like everything she might have felt insecure about went away when she told a really strong investor story. And it, it humbled me in a way, like, you know, I got to fix my store, I got to make it tight. So uh, it just so happened that Steve Case was here talking about the rise of the rest fund at the same time. And uh, I stalked Steve. <laughs> so you're the entrepreneur. You want to meet I want to meet, him. meet like, him. This is I grew up on AOL, right? I grew up in American Online, and I was, I've been following Steve's uh, career for a long time, since the early days. And there's no security backstage because I was already in because I was gonna I was speaking on stage so I'd made it through security past security and I'm following following him around with my cell phone out just looking for a selfie and Steve's kind of tall I don't even know if you've met Steve I'm I'm barely six feet he's maybe a good four inches on me okay and uh, I 
was imagining all these questions I was gonna ask him, like, Steve, what's it like to be a billionaire? Steve, what's it like to have a bunch of people use your software? And I finally got up to him and asked if I could take a picture. Uh, of course, he said yes, he's extremely gracious. And taking a selfie, the only thing I could think to say was, wow, you make me look good. And <laughs> that was not at all. I didn't, his, his entire face changed like, this guy, Marcus, is a jerk. But what I meant was being next to Steve Case made me look cool. But how it came out was, you know, wow, you don't make me look good. So instantly foot in mouth, but it's, it's cool to have, you know, that, that fanboy experience over someone that's really changed so many lives and helped set the, the first and second wave, like he'd say. Did he see your pitch? Do you know if he... He did see the pitch, but at that point in time, I don't think he or I knew that it was going to come full circle. And uh, this has been pretty magical. So we now uh, recently had Rise of the Rest Fund, which is Steve Case's early stage fund focused on the Midwest and kind of south, not the coast, right? And anywhere but the coast. Anywhere but much. the coast, pretty the much. Exactly. Southeast, everywhere. And they've, they've, been, they've been, you know, hardcore about it. They've literally been living in a bus like a tour band going from city to city, market to market, to meet entrepreneurs of all different levels and backgrounds. And they've been legitimately in, in investing in those entrepreneurs. Um, Jamber, we were fortunate to be one of those investments. And I just, as an aside, I have to say, my favorite thing about the Rise of the Rest Fund is the energy they bring to the table. Every time I talk to my counterpart, who's uh, or my, my liaison, who's Mary Grove, I feel like I'm going to conquer the world. I'm like, yeah, that's it. going to change the world. There is no Apple. There's no Google. There's only Jamber, you know? And I think that just speaks to their energy. Um, they're all in they're all, for you. They're, they're all and in. And all their companies they're and investing in. This is, this is uh, I'll be as succinct as possible, but this is the serendipity of this group in general and, and 3686. One, Mary Grove is one of the, the managing founders, uh, I'm sorry, a founding directors for Google for Entrepreneurs. And... We were in Chicago originally. That's where I was before Nashville. I was in 1871, which is a massive co-working space. It's also one of the centers, one of the Google centers for entrepreneurs. Uh, the Nashville EC Entrepreneur Center was touring 1871 and pitching their Project Music Tech Accelerator, and that's how I got in because the Nashville EC is also a center for Google entrepreneurs. So and then fast forward, the woman who started that program largely becomes my primary liaison uh, in, in, for Rise of the Rest. So that's, that's just kind of how the universe works. I mean, that's really beautiful to me. And then last but not least, I met Steve, and again, we didn't win the pitch, but uh, simultaneously, one of my investors bought me his book, The Third Wave, and uh, she made Steve sign it, you know, to Marcus, change the world, right? She gave me this book, and I'm like, okay, no pressure. Month, a year and a half later, uh, you know, Steve is signing the investment paperwork to invest in Jamber with that while we're literally trying to change the world, right? So that's really cool. That's really cool. I just feel chills when I hear that. Yeah, that's man. I, exciting story. I, I waited on it because I don't want to get all sappy, but after the deal was done and uh, I sent them a picture of the book uh, that Steve had signed and the picture with me with him backstage and just the law of attraction. And I think everyone kind of got warm fuzzies. And then they basically said, Marcus, get back to work. And I got back to work. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> right. But uh, I think we're really fortunate. Even just having our name be out there with Rise of the Rest has added so much momentum to what we're doing. So now I get to be at 30, 80, uh, 3686 and participate as a speaker. We get to show off our product. So, yeah, I, I'm, I, I consider super fortunate in that way. The speaker lineup every year, it just becomes more and more dynamic, more experiences, just all of the above. And I want to yeah. hear a little about the experience you're bringing, the message that you have 
for the audience. So what do you want attendees at 3686 to walk away from with? I'm going to be on a panel. Uh, I think the title is How I Effed Up. And I love that it's that <laughs> for once. You know, um, in, in a world where we're whitewashing the journey, I think we really need to let entrepreneurs know they're not alone, their mistakes. You know what you mean by that is it, it seems like everything's just great. Like I'm oh, just always hustling. Great. Yeah, overnight successes. Okay. And if it's not over, overnight successes on this extreme, it's hustle porn on this extreme. I never sleep. And I've been in my office for 72 years straight. You know, it's, that, that's not sustainable. Um, and when you make mistakes as an entrepreneur, the cost of failure is so high. Sometimes you feel like you're alone in those mistakes. So I think it's really important to create a dialogue around that. And that's what this panel is going to be about. And I'm actually going to be on there with one of my uh, Project Music uh, uh, cohort mates, with, uh, Ch uh, Channing, uh, from Even More. So I know she's. I know that she knows I've made mistakes, so I won't even be able to hide it. I have to just be as candid as possible. She'll is call there, me out. Is there a mistake you would feel okay to share with right here and maybe the lesson that came out of that for you? I mean, I, I F up about four times a week significantly and about really, really big mistakes, maybe five times a year. I think that it's just surviving those mistakes. Lately, my mistakes have been about hires. I've had a couple of really bad hires because we rushed the process. Even though I've been a manager for 20 years and I know the rules, every now and then you start to kind of cut corners and cut corners and all of a sudden you have just a not culture fit, right? And anytime you make a, a bad hire in a startup, it is... It takes a long time to shake that. It has a huge effect on the culture for a while. Even if they're great people, it's just not. A, maybe it's not a culture fit. Um, it's hard to pull that out with such a small company like Jamber. Um, so, my mistake there was just shortcutting the process, and, and, and so now we're going back to fundamentals. You do have you have an award-winning culture. You've been several times yeah. named as the best place to work. Best place to work, yeah. It's, uh, top five percent in the country uh, for companies of similar size and. Top 5% CEO, which to me means I'm not in the top 1%, so I got a lot of work to do, you know? Uh, the guys I, uh, and girls that I admire are like literally, you know, look like a Sacha Nadella, you know, from Microsoft. I have a long way to go. Um, top best places for women to work, which is uh, we have, uh, we don't do it on purpose. We just hire the best people for the job, but at Jamber, um, that showcases that we have some amazing people. And then we have a lot of people who are first generation Americans. I think from five different countries, seven different countries in our little team of 25 people, right? So those, that's a unique mix, but it's, we have a, we're more focused on where we have to go. So we'll celebrate one day and then the other 364 days of the year, we're gonna work on improving that. I know you just said, we're not really necessarily doing it on purpose, it's sort of happening, but any advice you can share on how you can create such a diverse team, because clearly creating results, any things that maybe have worked for you? or I know it's just happening. Yeah, but. So, uh, when, when I hear you say that back, I'll say this. We are doing it on purpose okay. by getting out of the way. Tell right? me more about that. Well, about that. we're just people. Everyone's just people. And it's really easy to let our insecurities or our biases or our comfort zones come into the hiring process, whether intentionally or unintentionally. We're all kind of hardwired to gravitate towards the people we know. Um, but for a company that is a strategic disadvantage, especially for a company that depends heavily on design like Jamber does, we design products for a very demanding customer being uh, musicians and top artists around the world who have very low tolerance for bad experiences. 
And the only way we're going to be able to accommodate them is to have different perspectives. So we say like-hearted, different-minded. Um, and it's, it's fascinating how different things are. I have a gentleman who is from China, and he has no idea what the word period means or what the period character means on his keyboard. He's absolutely brilliant, but in his language, there's no such thing as a period. It's a dot. All right, so just those small things get, get us thinking in an international way sooner rather than later. Uh, so my co-founder and I made a decision to, we're here because we want to create great places to work. So let's start early with that. So it is very intentional in that way. Um, but what I more meant is we're not hiring more women, just hire more women. We put out a job posting and may the best person win. And that salary is that salary regardless of who wins that job in that role. Um, We've even had men quit because they don't want to work for women, you know. So there's 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 definitely change happening, but it's more positive than, than not. And when someone quits because of that reason, what do you say to them? Bye, Felicia. <laughs> like, there's no place for that. We have there's no place for that. You know, it's we're here to serve. And uh, if you if your gender gets in the way of you being teachable, Jamber's not the place for you. Let's talk about those you are serving. Let's, I know we dive straight into that really exciting story. Yeah. Can you give me a quick update of Jamber today? I know, you are, you know you've been working on this for several years. Yes. You, you work between Chicago and Nashville. I know there's other markets you're spending yes. a lot of time in, but quick overview. What is it today? And more importantly, what does that mean for tomorrow? It's just about getting artists, musicians, songwriters paid faster, creatives of all types. And that really simple mission is extremely hard to do. One. Uh, music is intellectual property. It's, it's almost as complicated as the tax law in a lot of ways. And two, streaming is global. So it's really easy to create a song and upload that song to Spotify, but then it's very hard to get paid for that song when it starts playing in other countries around the world. Um, because again, of, that, of the way copyright law works. And you shouldn't have to figure all that out when you want to focus on your music. We believe that we can create apps and tools that your music goes in and your money comes out, and that's it. And the money's accurate and it's fast. Uh, so that's we serve them because I think technology excels at exactly that problem set. I love it. Yeah. Anything else on your mind or on your heart while we've got a few minutes left? Anything else you want to share with us? I mean, I, I just I keep telling everyone that's asking me how Jamber's doing. We've been in the press and the news, and I've. I've been on some really cool podcasts, this one intended. <laughs> um, but it's the tale of two cities, and you have to find the middle. It is the best of times, and it is the worst of times. You know, we are, we are working our butts off day in and day out, but we're working with people that we'd like to work with in a cause, on a cause that we believe in. And Jamber hasn't arrived by any means. We have some major challenges we have to fix. But I have an awesome team behind me. I've got Rise of the Rest. I've got Nashville. Uh, we're going to be at A3C in Atlanta, a massive conference for hip hop, one of the biggest in the country. Uh, they've also one of our most successful events, too. So the energy, the momentum is what's keeping us afloat. It's not just Jamber. It's, it's a million hands on what we're doing that, that are helping us fly. And I, I, I'm not saying that lightly. That's really it, how I feel. Um, so as long as we have that community around us, I think that we have some really cool things ahead. The visual I'm seeing in my mind is like a ping pong. I'm sorry, a um, oh, ping pong's it. accurate too. Yeah, there's also. <laughs> oh gosh, you bing 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 bing. What's that called? Oh yeah, pinball machine. Pinball. Yes, very so, much so. So you know, and the ball goes, and it's like there's the bouncing yes. the bouncers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like you're 
you know, you're in the southeast and you're you're hitting all these different spots. When you're in Atlanta, you're here. And, that is and, probably the best analogy I've ever heard for the inner workings of a startup. Because if you can just keep the ball from falling in the hole, you might tilt. It's going to keep racking up points. You just got to keep it from falling. But inside, it is exactly like that. The little bumper is going off. The little, the little, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. I'm going to go buy a, a pinball machine now just because this yes. conversation reminds me. Great. Well, that's what's happening all around us. You have all these touch points. You know, you have all these ecosystem partners. We're trying to keep the yeah, keep it alive, keep yeah, it moving man. forward. And not only have you been getting support from events like this, but you're you're coming back. You're showing up to keep the value. Paying it forward. I mean, even so. Pinnacle, right? I, one of yes. my one of my investors, uh, uh, Joe Galante, who's been a friend of ours since day one and started Project Music in a lot of ways with his team, is on the board for Pinnacle. And whenever I reach out to Pinnacle for advice, Pinnacle is right there. I have a meeting with Pinnacle on Friday about a product for the music industry. So this. This this is all your 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 arm right now. You're kind of showing right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm the, showing the the the, the little uh, step and repeat here. We have with the 3686 logo and Pinnacle Financial Partners. Uh, we we're recipients of grace, and I think it's our diligence to work really hard and, and make sure we provide a return on investment uh, for that. So that's what keeps me up at night, and that's what gets me up in the morning. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. What's a good way for someone to connect with you and also connect with your team? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of easy to find, Marcus Cobb Jamber, because this is all I talk about. So if you Google Marcus Cobb Jamber, you will find me. Uh, but also at Jamber CEO on Twitter uh, or Instagram. Hit me up, man. I'm pretty, I'm pretty easy to get to. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Disrupt the Continuum, a Launch Tennessee podcast powered by Pinnacle Financial Partners. This podcast is where Tennessee's entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem builders share their stories. To follow along on our journey, be sure to visit launchtn.org slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to continuing the conversation soon on another episode of Disrupt the Continuum. Disrupt the Continuum.